The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today, I am so, so, so excited for our guest, Summer McStravick. Summer is a personal growth coach, author, podcaster, creator of Flow Dreaming, a mind-body technique for manifesting and growing inner emotional strength, and of ME School, a life-changing personal growth program that happens every autumn. Her latest adventure is a year-round monthly membership program, Flow On, where she teaches spiritual growth seekers how to fuse manifesting into their daily lives. So all the stuff that we love here on Intuitive Connection, Summer, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria, for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm excited for our conversation. And Summer is a connection to me through Lisa McCourt. At least that's how I figure we found each other. And everyone on the show knows how much I love my Lisa. So I'm, I'm excited. And Lisa always sends me such fun friends to play with. <laughs> Lisa is amazing. Sorry, I had to interject. Yeah, no, we can't love on Lisa enough. That's clear. So yes, we're going to talk a little bit today. I want to get your exact words because they're just so cute. The universe is my suitor. And here's how Summer pitched herself for this topic. And I I love all of your words. We always talk about inner healing. What about the healing we need to do with our relationship with life itself? And I love that. And that's something we talk about so much on the show, the relationship that we have with life itself, which is an extension of, since we are creating said life itself, right? It's actually an extension of that human being experience as well. Um, But I think it often gets neglected. It certainly does. This concept comes from a larger sort of way of looking at things that I offer my my readers and students and so on. Um, It comes from a concept that I call the trifecta of trust. Okay. And it's a a recognition, and this will lead into the universe is my suitor. (laughs) I promise you. (laughs) I trust you. You go where you want to go. It starts with this idea that there are three kinds of trust. It's sort of like the divine trinity of trust. There's trust of self, trust of others and trust of the universe or divine or your higher power or however you want to position it for yourself. Trust of self gets broken over time when we do things that disappoint ourselves, when we don't finish the course, when we don't get the raise, when we mess up in a relationship. And we often go into a place of healing around that. I need to start trusting myself again, trusting my my knowing, my intuition, my choices And often that's a big block for people because they can't move on to the next big juicy thing in life because they don't trust themselves enough to actually complete it or do it well. The second form of trust is trust of others. And that's the one we're all the most familiar with. Um, My mother broke my trust when I was younger by being cold and abusive. My partner broke my trust by not um, growing with me at the same rate in my relationship. And I began to uh, feel disappointment and it was never healed. So we tend to you know, have this other whole arena or I wasn't picked at dodgeball as a kid. People don't like me. So I'm going to become a lone wolf and do everything on my own. All forms that point to broken trust of others. Third form, the one that people always overlook, trust of life itself, trust of the universe. And this form of trust is if you're asking yourself a simple question, do I believe that my next 10 years is going to be spectacular? Can it be, will it be as good or better than what I've just been through? And a lot of us really wobble. We like, well, I hope so. I think so. I doubt it. I don't know. I want it to, but I'm like, go deeper. Will it? 
And it kind of shows the barometer of trust that you have that life is still on your side. And it leads to this idea of what I call cherry picking, which is I trust the universe in some ways, but I don't trust it in others. And I like to dig into this concept that if you trust the universe, you've got to trust it in all ways. Imagine in all ways, always and always. <laughs> but imagine if you had, um, I call them a suitor, them. I mean, it's not a gender thing, but imagine that the universe is your suitor. It's a partner. If you trusted your partner in some ways, but not always, what kind of relationship is that? And yet, you know, like that instantly hits home. Like, okay, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you trust that the universe will give you enough to get by. It'll pay your bills. It'll let you function. You do not trust that there is a life partner there for you. You do not trust that you will finally be able to be completely supported as you break free into your new passion, career, line of work. And you look at that and you realize you're right. I don't trust that I will have the support there. I don't trust that it will work out. I trust the universe gives me some things, doesn't give me all things. It's picky, it's stingy. It makes me prove myself to it all the time. I've got to get better, do better, earn it. Imagine if you did that with a partner. You would hate that partner after a while. You know? <laughs> so that's sort of the position when I talk about the universe is your suitor. Let's shift it. And it can be weird for people because we're used to thinking of God or source or higher power or even just the future years that roll along with kind of a, a, a more paternal aspect. Whether or not we intend to, it's sort of embedded in us in Western culture. Yep. I've got to prove myself. I got to get A's in the class. I've got to be good enough. I've got to be righteous enough. I've got to be kind enough. And then I'll be given the prize. And then I'll be given the support. So we're on this constant treadmill of trying to earn something, never reaching the place where we say, I earned it. I've already earned it. Where is it? I love that. I also, as you talk, first of all, I want to rename this episode, the trifecta of trust, because I want to talk about all of them now. <laughs> Go for it. And I can, yeah, because it hasn't been <laughs> named yet. But I'm thinking as you talk too, our trust in the universe has to do, you know, it's it's intertwined with our trust in ourselves and it's intertwined with our trust in others. I mean, it's all the same thing, right? Absolutely. When you talk about the trust in the universe, what it really boils down to is what's the thing that you just don't think you're going to get? It's just not right for you. You're not going to get it in this lifetime. It's not in your, your karma. It's We have these things that we've off-limited for ourselves. And oftentimes it's because we don't trust that life itself is there for us, lining it up, giving and giving and giving. So imagine now the universe as your partner and your partner wants nothing more. Like if you were in a partnership, your partner wants nothing more than to show you off to the world, right? You've been with someone like that. You're like, look at my new partner. Oh my God, aren't they amazing? Like they think everything you do is fabulous. They recognize you've got some parts you're working on. That's fine. But when you come to them crying and begging and needing something, they're there to put their arms around you. They say, I've got you. I'm, I'm here for you. That's why we're in this together. And the funny thing about this partner is this is a partner that never goes away. This is the one partner you can't divorce, leave. <laughs> it was there before you were born. It'll be there after. This is you in relation to, you know, all it is. So this is the fundamental relationship. And again, it doesn't have to be positioned like a, a parental style relationship. It is a really fun exercise to flip your feelings about it and just see what that brings up because you'll notice that if you're in a state of still trying to earn and get and be good enough for, you would never do that with a partner. And it leaves open all these doors for not getting what you want because you're not allowed to have it. And to go to what you just said about the other forms of trust that are involved in that, I mean, heck yeah. <laughs> if you don't trust others, for instance, what this is saying is, the universe and I may be on fabulous terms. It loves me. It's continually shoving everything I need around me. All right, if that's true, if your relationship with your universe is fabulous, then what that means is the universe has helped put into your life the right people and the right connections and the right moments and the right timing. It's already there. It's already been doing its job. Doesn't have to do its job in the future. It's already done it. The people who are currently surrounding you are purposeful. They're there because they will get you to, you know, point A to point B. They'll get you where you need to go. 
But you look at these people and you say, I don't like these people. I have a difficult relationship with these people. These people are not good to me. These people are blah, blah, blah. Does it matter? Maybe you do have a really difficult relationship. Somebody did really break your heart. But they're still getting you to that next stage. The universe is in there with you saying, come on, come on. I want you to experience what real deep healing is. I want you to experience what inner forgiveness is. I want you to experience compassion. You need these things because your next partner, I don't want to have them have to fulfill the same role in you by teaching you these things. So come on, let's do it. Do you want me to keep going? Because I can monologue like nobody's business. (laughs) (laughs) I'm enjoying the show. Yes, all of, all of, all of that. And I think what I hear you saying too is that trusting more deeply in life is understanding that, you know, we can look at the evidence and I can say like, well, life doesn't seem very trustworthy right right now. And life is bringing me all of these things that I'm like, you know, what is that? What yeah. is that? Why is that? That's not what I asked for. And in fact, that it is. And in fact, it's it's what you asked for on some level. And, and you can keep asking for other things. You're asking for a multitude of things that the universe is providing. But whatever is happening for you in the now is serving you. It's serving you. It's loving you. And it's providing for you. I mean, that's the way that I like to think about it. Yeah. I mean, and, and that doesn't discredit um, sort of societal things that happen to us. I fully understand, you know, some people are born into wealthy homes and countries that provide educations and, and care and other people are born in horrific circumstances. And I know that's always a hard idea to reconcile. But what I would say to that is it's about who you're choosing to be in whatever game board you got plopped down on. You got plopped down on a certain game board. Some of it's rich and full. Others are destitute, empty, and hard. Who are you going to be in that? That's the real um, essence, I think, of this idea that the universe is your suitor. It's not the things that are around you. It's your relationship to those things, your ability to handle those things or be broken into pieces by those things. And if you are broken into pieces by those things, it's your ability then to learn to heal those things. There's always something there for you. There's always something really rich and juicy to lead you to your next point of expansion or awareness. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. And you know, one, I want to go back a second. One part that I, I was going to say before I stopped that last one, trust of self, because you, you asked me, are, how, are they all connected? I'll just bring up briefly. I, I was diagnosed with um, stage two breast cancer when I was 43, meaning the kind that has you know spread and they have to take out more things than just where it was. And at that moment, I realized that two forms of trust had just broken in me instantly. I mean, overnight in, in 10 minutes, you know, in the mammogram room. <laughs> One was my body. I couldn't trust my body. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. That is not the deal we had. The deal we had, the deal I thought we had was I get to grow old to like 98, like all my grandparents. I've got this long timeline here that I can play with. And you just, you just, what? Like, wait, what happened? Why did you do this to me? And I suddenly realized my body had become my adversary. It had confused me. It, It had lost my trust. And then I also simultaneously had my trust broken in my partner, the universe. Why did you do this to me now? This is not what I signed up for. Why would you give me this hardship? What's the point of this? I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. And so I had to go on this journey of, to go back to the point I was just saying, all right, it's not a question of did they betray me, but who do I want to be in these experiences? Because now I can shift from looking at it as a betrayal to something that instead has something rich and juicy, and I have to freaking trust that. And that's what I meant by not cherry picking. And I always say cherry picking is like, you know, you go to the grocery store and they have all the strawberries in the baskets and you see the one person and they're kind of moving the strawberries around to try to get the bigger plumper basket and take the moldy ones out. And you shake your head shamefully at them like you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) 
That's dairy picking. Oh, I totally would do that, but I don't have the patience to do that. <laughs> I watch the people at the farmer's market doing that. I'm like, how do you have time? Just pick up the damn berries. <laughs> I respect that in the picking of cherries, but maybe not in the picking of cherries of life. Exactly. So what it means is I will happily accept the good stuff from my partner, but if it gives me something challenging, no, right. I don't understand you. Why would you do that? If you trust your partner, you trust your partner completely. Trust the universe. You've got to trust it absolutely, completely, no matter what you're handed. You trust your body. You got to trust it completely. If it's signaling to you that there's something that needs to be looked at, you got to trust it completely. Trust too that it's on your side, that it wants to heal, that it's ready to get through this, that it's a car needing to be taken into the, you know, the mechanic. You don't just ignore the oil changes for a hundred thousand miles. I trust my body's going to tell me when the little red light goes on. So this becomes part of the whole healing, basically, of all these forms of trust, as well as your relationship to the universe. There, I think I brought all those concepts back full circle, at least I hope. I think you did beautifully. <laughs> there were so many thoughts going on through my mind, including the one that prompted that initial question, but I'm going to put that one on hold because I want to talk about this. It's easy to say that you you know, the benefits of trust. I won't say should trust because you don't seem like a shoulddy kind of person to me. <laughs> but it's easy, it's easy to say, right? The peace, the inspiration, the joy comes when we learn to trust in life, trust in ourselves, trust in others. What do you say to the person that's like, you know, I just got diagnosed with stage two breast cancer and I can't trust anything right now. You know, you've been through it. What do you say to someone? How do we get there? And how do we deal with the parts of ourselves that don't feel very trusty right now of the things that we feel life is is doing to us? Or even if we know a little bit more that it's bringing to us, what are some steps people can do to manage the parts of themselves that don't feel so trusting? Yeah. So when I when I work with people, I have a program, by the way, called Me School and a book that just came out called Stuff Nobody Taught You. And I go into this very deeply. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because they're full of exercises, just like the ones you just asked me to, to give. So I'm going to pull an example straight from that material for you. Let's say you've been given something and your trust is just is broken. So the first thing is what I you know just previously suggested. There's a little switch that I flip in my head from... Instead of I'm going to battle this, I'm going to push this away, I'm going to be angry about this, I understand these feelings come up, right? Your first set of emotions is going to be alarm bells ringing, just all the firehouse going off. And then you have a choice. Now that you've been alerted to the devastation that you've just encountered or are encountering, what are you going to do with that? That becomes the moment of you know, when the yeast and the bread rises, that's the moment of potential and possibility. And my first way that I handled it was by saying literally, how do I choose to be in this situation? Who am I going to be through this? Now, this does something that I call reversing the power or plugging a power leak. Previously, the thing outside of you is holding all the balls. It is what's in charge. It's quote, quote, making you feel certain ways. It quote, quote, broke you. It did to you. But the minute I say, how do I want to be through this situation? I have now yanked that power back from whatever it is outside me. And now it's up to me, my choice. Oh, I want to experience it like this. I want to experience mass healing through this. I want to experience an up-leveling through this. I want to experience whatever gift there is. And that's the second thing that I would ask somebody to look for or like literally anybody who's listening right now feeling this, just journal on this. Take a few minutes. One, who am I going to be in this experience? Two, what's in it for me? Really, what is the gift in this? And it's the weirdest thing to say, and I've had to do this many, many times through many, many reinventions, through some really horrible stuff in my life, but it always comes back to at some point or another, there was a gorgeous gift in there. The universe didn't give me a, a turd and not hide some piece of gold in it, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's always a gift. Yeah. So that's immediately what I turn my mind toward. I want to experience the gift. I want to do whatever I can to see the gift. And sometimes the gift is just growth and learning and wisdom. Sometimes the gift is really like, if you can break through this fear, if you can break through this stopping point that you get to, everything is going to be open for you, you know, from here on forward. 
But that's where I turn my attention. And when I turn my attention to those two questions, it fundamentally changes the way that I interact with everything going forward. I'm not reactive, I'm preactive, right? I'm choosing my experiences in whatever may be happening around. And I'm not saying that this is going to make things, you're not so in control that you're going to make all the things around you be the way you want them to be. Everybody is independent. Like everybody's their own thing. They're going to bring you all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But I will now be like aligned to this in me, not to that in me. Yeah. And that's where we set up a beautiful sort of energy alignment. Yeah. It's beautiful. Ah, good. Beautiful, beautiful. And even as you say that, you know, my energy shifts and my brain goes to that a lot right now. Thank goodness, 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 you know, that when things happen for me in my lifetime, you know, my immediate thought is, okay, where's the gift? How do I orient with that? And it's a game changer. And it happens usually pretty automatically. But I'll say in my own experience, it's a question that you often need to ask more than once, you know, <laughs> because we are complex beings. Oh my right? God, so, Victoria, I ask it every day. You know, you're going to see the gift and then you're going to be like, where did it go? Yeah. And then you reorient back. Oh, yeah, there's a gift. I, I you know, I'm gonna tune back into the gift. Oh, wait, where did I? I'm like, I'm not feeling the gift. You know, so you can yeah. ask this question as many times as you need to. Keep going back to the gift, and and I would say too, because I always say this: be kind to yourself where you don't see the gift, where you don't see the gift in those moments when we're sometimes like, you know, buried under the pile of poop, and we're like, you know, Summer Victoria says there's a gift here, but like you know, it's really stinky. Those are the moments when I still remember there's a gift. Mm -hmm. I recognize that I can't quite see it or smell it right now. And those are the moments I just shower myself with love. And then for me, that's, that's the game changer. The more I soothe myself and care for myself through that experience, knowing even that little, little, you know, crack in the door, knowing that there's a gift here that I just haven't found yet. That's usually what gets me through those moments when you know, I know the gift is there, but I'm covering my eyes and I, I'm not ready to see it. <laughs> I sometimes have to ask myself every single day, what is the gift in this today? What is the gift in this today? Yeah. Because it's so easy to go into reversal, give your power away again to whatever the thing is that's hurting you. And I have to constantly pull it back, which truly goes right back to, again, if you trust the universe unconditionally in all areas, not cherry picking which ones you trust, which ones you don't, if you trust it in all areas, you look at whatever's in front of you and say, okay, you're here because there's something here for me. And maybe I'm just learning how to shovel out the stalls, you know, the horse stalls. Right. <laughs> maybe that's what I'm getting. But what is that doing for me? I'm, I'm growing strength. I'm developing a, a sense of maybe boundaries or clarity. I'm developing a sense of flexibility and compassion, you know, compassion perhaps for my body. Um, acknowledgement that, you know, my body will only get pushed so hard and I need to to care for it differently. There's a lot of things that we can take from this. And every beautiful gift we get, remember, we travel with it the rest of our life. It's not like we give it back later. We've got it. It's ours. It's, it's for keeps. This life and beyond, however you believe, you've got it for the rest of eternity and you. So we are going through life collecting gifts in whatever packaging they might arrive. And some are beautiful, you know, birthday presents. And like I said, some are little turd balls at the front door, but they're, <laughs> you're going to look into every one. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about, because I think that when we learn that all the cherries are good, it's a complete game changer in our lives. And it actually gives us a level of freedom that we don't have when we're cherry picking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, we all want to feel good. And, you know, eating a moldy cherry is not a joyous experience, right? So I'd love to feel into more, like even as I say it, right? When I recognize that every cherry is good, that every experience is serving me, that it's that desire to pick the right cherries that is actually causing me suffering. It's really causing me suffering by making that determination that this one is good and this one is bad is actually the source of suffering. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And you see what I'm getting at? Totally. This is where a bit of Buddhist ideology kind of enters the conversation. The sense of whatever comes to me can create suffering or I can release it and not experience the suffering. I can be in the moment with this. I can experience this. Now, I work you know, fundamentally in the world of manifesting and intuition. You know, I work in the world of energy. And it's my personal belief 
that we are here because we've been told you have this enormous playground. It is a sandbox. There is every conceivable tool here for you to make things with. That is why you're here. Yes. It's a little bit different from the Buddhist philosophy that you come here to release your need to make things, to get into that transcendent state. And, you know, like most things, there's always a duality. Maybe a bit of both are true. But if you look at it for a moment from, I came here to make things, and I'm choosing certain things to make so that I can have certain experiences that will grow me in certain ways. So I'm going to choose experiences that I want to have. I'm going to go for the good stuff. I'm literally going to try to pick out those moldy cherries because I want to experience a life where I get more and more joy. I get more and more happiness. And so for me, it's, it's fundamental. I align to things that light me up, make me happy, make me feel powerful, powerful in my interior, not powerful over other people's. I'm talking a different kind of power. Right. So I definitely, you know, move toward that. And I think everybody, frankly, should move toward that. Pick experiences that make you feel great. But when you do get those experiences that, you know, throw something into the mix that you're not happy with, adopt again, then that's the Buddhist idea. That's the sense of, okay, how do I want to experience this? I don't really want to experience suffering unless that suffering is actually going to move me to the gift in this. And if so, then I'm experiencing that as well. So a balance. <laughs> yeah, no, you said so much goodness in there. And you jumped ahead to my next question, answered it all. You know, it's my understanding, and I want to know what you think about this or, you know, how you feel about this. Look, that when we release the need to try to control life, and we release the need to try to fix it out there, that's when we're free. But that doesn't mean we don't get to have desires. You know, we don't get to want to feel good. You're supposed to feel good. But I also think that when we release the desire to make what's out there the thing that makes us feel good, that's when we're free. See, so that we understand that all the cherries are cherries mm -hmm. and they're all going to come and that the more that we release the fear of getting the wrong cherry... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's when we're free. And then the freer we are, the more we get the cherries we want anyway. But that's not why we do it. That's the way I understand it. I have a new title for the show. It's the Cherry Show. Let everybody, <laughs> yeah, apparently Cherry gonna... episode, <laughs> let them we're, wonder. We're getting a lot of use out of this metaphor, if that is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so to speak to that, like that concept for me, it, it forms sort of one of the bases of my teachings in say me school and really my whole flow dreaming philosophy. We're always either moving toward emotion or moving away from emotion. We're trying to get the positive feeling or not get the negative feeling. And we have all these things in our life that we do and shoot for and try and make and create, not because we think that that's the thing we like, it's not the thing. <laughs> I guess that's what I always say. It's not the thing. It's the feelings the thing will give you. It's the feelings you think the thing will give you. And that's why so many of us, we do, we complete things, we get to the next mile marker, and then it's still not enough. And the horizon is still moving and we're still not there yet. So I, I like to flip that and say, look, let's not let life uh, determine the things that you get, determine how you get to feel inside anymore. Let's feel inside the way we want to feel, put the cart before the horse, and then let life start to align to us. So I call it reaction versus pre-action, response versus pre-sponse. And very few of us spend actual moments, like real time and energy in our lives in a state of pre-sponse or pre-action. So I have a technique that I call flow dreaming, and that's exactly what it does. It's an energy technique that puts you directly in a state of pre-sponse, directly in a state of pre-action, you feel the feelings you want to feel. If you are saying to life right now, I've had moldy cherries. I can't help it. I had to bring it back up again. I love the cherries. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have cherries all over the social media the week this goes live. Just you wait. Yeah. It might even be cherry season when it goes live. Who knows? We're not quite there here in California. But anyway, keep going. You're doing beautifully. Yeah. So, so basically, I would be saying to life, look, I am going to feel this joy. And this joy, so I do it, like I said, through a technique I call flow dreaming. I move into this state of pure joy. And it's a connected state with the universe. It's uh, connected through all of me, through all layers and levels of me, from my physical self all the way on up to my highest self. And I'm in this dialogue. And the way that I dialogue or communicate is through emotion. Because I'm recognizing that emotion is the one thing that connects everybody on this earth. It's the one language we all speak together universally. You know, it goes beyond words. 
And so I figure that's the closest I have to actually connecting to, you know, my higher self or, or source or the universe as well. I know no greater language than emotion. So I am going to give this emotion to the universe and say, today I'm feeling incredibly joyful. I'm feeling it right now. I have nothing outside me necessarily that I'm going to attach this to. Doesn't make sense to attach it to anything. Because what I'm really doing is I'm signaling to the universe, do you see what I'm doing right here? Do you see what I'm pre-feeling? I'm pre-spawning this? Now, this is what I want to have around me. Align to me. Align to this. All the things and the people can kind of rearrange themselves like, I don't know, little toys in a floating bathtub, right? I have just inserted a new directive. And all those things, the ones that match it and align it, come closer. And the ones that don't move farther away. But it's like a 15 minutes. If I just spend 15 minutes a day doing that, personally for me, it's helped to counteract the 95% of my day where I'm spent in a, in a responsive and reactive mode, if that makes sense. So I try to um, have that dialogue daily, essentially around the emotions that I am asking life to support me on creating. I love it. I recently did a video for socials. It wasn't really, I mean, it was just a quick little video I put out. I, um, since moving to California, spend a lot of time playing and a lot of time doing really, really fun things just because I can. And <laughs> it's fun. And one of my favorite things to do is is my daily walk, my daily hike. Because I happen to live in a beautiful place that I'm still just really exploring and loving and joyously, you know, creating. And uh, I was out for my walk one day and, and we had a lot of rain this winter and the flowers are like incredible. And I'm, I'm walking on my beautiful flowery hike. Are you in California too? No, you're on the other coast, right? I'm in Encinitas. <laughs> And I know exactly a flowery walk. Wait, you're in Encinitas? Yeah. Uh, well, we got to talk off of this because I'm uh, in Del Mar. <laughs> oh, I know. I was going to say, I know exactly the path that you are talking about. And it yeah. is ballistic with, with color and, and flowers right, right now. I didn't know we were neighbors. So, <laughs> but anyhow, right. I'm feeling into this. And I, I did this little video because it occurred to me that, you know, all this time that I've spent since moving here playing and having fun and being in joy, that is the most potent thing that I can offer to the universe in terms of creating whatever I want to stream into my life. Yeah. And, and we often get it backwards. We often are like, I got to work and I got to do this and then I can have fun. And I realize that these moments of play, they're mm -hmm. the greatest offering that I can offer both to myself and to the universe, you know? And so I'm keeping them. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We always think it's the if I build this business, if I buy that house, if I marry this person, then I will feel like this and feel like that. I'll feel safe, or I'll feel loved, or I'll I'll get those feelings I want. So we're always chasing these things to try to get the feelings, as opposed to let's just start being the feelings and letting the things, the right things, will automatically sort of divinely line up to match us. And another thing you just said. When I put myself in a state of feeling feelings like joy and, and play, I recognize every moment that I'm existing, I am adding a little bit of information to my greater being, to what I am. It's a bit of life that I've just bit down, experienced, swallowed, and is now literally part of me. And it will never go away. It's always part of me. So I'm thinking, God, what am I putting into me every day? What kind of experiences am I putting into me, because I want to build certain parts of me and maybe not build other parts of me. So every time I do a practice where I'm playing or laughing or just spending time with friends, I'm like, that's now part of me. I've now grown that in the eternal me. So it takes on a much bigger dimension for me. I love that. I love that. And I would say too, it's fun. And that's what we want. What we want is to feel good. Like we don't have to wait to feel good. And yes, sometimes, and we talked about this before, sometimes things in the outside world are giving us the impression that they are stealing our joy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're not and mm -hmm. they can't, um, but you can give it to them if you choose, you know, or you're not practiced at making a different choice, mm -hmm. but we can also, you know, stream in those experiences and those moments that bring us joy whenever we want. We don't have to wait. And I don't go for my daily hikes. I don't do my barefoot trail dancing or my beach walks or any of the crazy things. And they're not crazy at all. The joyous things that I do every yeah. single day to feed my soul. I do it because it feels good. And that's kind of what we want 
that's what we're looking out there for. So if I can find it, you know, I'm going there. I'm going there. Exactly. And I also recognize too that that is my gift to the universe as well. It's the gift to me, but it's also the gift to this planet that needs a lot more of that goodness right now. Precisely. Yeah. And and again, that goes to what we were talking about earlier. Who do I want to be in this experience? So no matter what the experience is that you're you're looking at or being handed, you get to choose how you want to be inside of it, who you want to be. That means you choose the feelings. You don't just react to what the obvious, you know, external is. So you can be any feeling that you want. And I, I want to just again, a little caveat. This is not toxic positivity. Right? This is not denial. This is a full recognition. I've been gifted this thing and I see it baldly and bluntly and right in front of me. I'm very clear on this thing. In fact, I need that clarity of vision of what I'm actually looking at, whether it's suffering or broken trust or whatever it may be. But the joy in that is I see this. What will I do with it? Who can I uh, be as I go through this experience? What can I discover in myself? What strength? What power? Right. And sometimes it's seeing the actual bald clarity of the bad thing that can really focus you on, okay, I have choice. I don't have to just be sucked into a responsive mode again. What am I? Who am I? And then you're building those good feelings even in the midst of that tragedy. And I understand some tragedies are really tough. You know, you lose someone you love, et cetera. There is still something there, something there for you. Well, there's always something there. We all lose people our love throughout our whole life. It's there's something we all something can't there. escape. Exactly. So obviously there's something there. That's what the trust is about. The trust is about knowing there's always something there, even when we can't find it. And yeah. like you said, holding ourselves through the parts of ourselves that hasn't figured that out yet, that's hurting. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. that is having the experience that we're having. And again, toxic positivity, I think, is when we deny the experience that we're having and we say, I should be feeling something else right now. Right. Because <laughs> someone Victoria said, I should be trusting this. And I don't feel yeah. very trust. It doesn't feel very trustworthy. We we hold ourselves and we're present with whatever's happening. And yeah. through that presence, we transform and we reconnect. Exactly. And again, I'm not going to diminish the power of negative emotions as well. When I get a negative emotion, like you just mentioned something about something being trustworthy, let's say that I know someone is not trustworthy and I am not going to hand them my heart or hand them my money or hand them my time or my energy, just my beautiful, precious being I'm not going to give to them. And the reason I know that is because a negative emotion came up in, inside of me when I was with them that signaled to me, hey, whenever you're with this person, you feel icky, you feel unhappy, you feel defensive you feel unclear, you feel cloudy, you feel foggy, you self-doubt. These are all negative emotions. And I say they're like, you know, the blinking stop signs of life, right? They're incredibly important. So I'm not dismissing negative emotion. I'm actually looking at it. And the key here is when you see it and sense it, notice it like a siren, like a you know fire alarm in your house. You don't let the fire alarm go off for five years. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. While everything burns. You're, you're up there with a broomstick trying to turn the darn thing off, you know, as fast as you can. So the same thing is true with your negative emotion. Turn it off as fast as you can. Get the message. Right. And if you don't get the message, it's going to blare again. If you don't get the message, it's going to blare again. Right. And that's how I, you know, whenever I feel negative emotion, again, it's almost like, I know this is weird, but thank you for alerting me. Thank you for getting me back on track as fast right. as you can. Thank you for that. Oh my God, thank you for that. I hear you. Here's what I'm going to do differently or here's what I'm going to do or this is now the person that I'm not going to be in a relationship with or whatever it may be. Right. And it's 411. It's just information. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to marinate in it. You don't have to create a story about it. You just, you're present with it and it'll show you exactly what you need to do. Exactly. In fact, okay, that's another great exercise for anyone listening right now. Think about a negative emotion right now that you have about a situation, just anyone, the first one that pops up in your head. I'm on it. Yeah, that's easy to do, right? What information is it really telling you? Go past the feeling and ask, why, why do I have this feeling? What is it asking of me? And I think that's the best question. What is it asking of me right now? And you will find there is an ask in every negative emotion. It wants you to do something, become something, let go of something, heal something. And if you can start to answer that question, the negative emotion can start to 
scale down. It's like, okay, yeah, they got it. They got the message. You say, great. Okay. I'm going to do that now. I think that's the key. A lot of us are afraid to do the thing. So we just let the negative emotion come up and swirl around. And sometimes it's like, I don't even know what to do, Summer. How do you tell me to do the thing when my negative emotion is confusion? I'm like, great. Start there. Confusion makes you feel kind of on balance icky. It's not the worst of the negative emotions, but it's definitely on the icky side. So it's asking you, can you discover clarity? Can you be comfortable with yourself and be protective of yourself while you embark on a journey to clarity? Can you be cool with the fact that it might take you five days or five months to reach clarity, but knowing that you're going to be there? And you say, yeah, okay, I'm on the road to clarity and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I can. And you'll discover other fears come up like, oh, I don't want to get clear about that. No, that's, I don't want to know that. I don't want to discover that. I don't want to risk that. And you'll see other fears and negative emotions come up. And eventually you can see like there's a whole chain of things that you'll discover, like falling down the rabbit hole. But again, once you start that conversation, this is how, you know, you grow, you grow into that next phase. You get past the quote, quote, comfort zone by asking these questions and understanding that again, to go back to the universe, trusting the universe, (laughs) it's giving you these. So you can start walking that walk and asking these questions and getting to the other side of it. It's so powerful. It's such a powerful way to think about it. It's such a powerful redirect and it's it's so empowering. Yeah. It's so empowering to understand like, okay, what are you showing me? Yeah. What are you showing me? And what am I desiring too, right? Because whenever we have an emotion that doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. it means that something's misaligned. And that doesn't mean you're wrong. You're not wrong. You're perfect. You're doing exactly what you're here to do. We learn through that contrast. Yes. Um, but understanding right? And feeling into that contrast will redirect us to exactly where we want to be to feel how we really want to feel and to realign with how we we get to feel, you know, which is joyful as much as humanly possible. Exactly. It's funny, like I, I teach extensively, but I call it the language of emotions. I've mentioned a little bit and I, I call emotions like um, that big fat crayon box of like 150 colors that you probably got as a kid. And it was like the most exciting thing ever to get such a big box. Mm. Every emotion has a purpose. Every single color in that box is going to do something for you. So I often say that joy is like, for me, it's like a hot, juicy pink magenta. (laughs) It's not, but you know, again, more metaphor. And when I color with that, you can feel like there's a lightness to it. There's a sense about it. And the brighter colors for me um, tend to feel lighter, you know, more lifted. The blues and the greens tend to feel grounded and growth oriented. So all of these emotions I kind of associate with, okay, what do I want to, if I use this emotion of say green and the green one for me is it's healing, it's money, it's, it's material, you know, fulfillment, I'm going to color with that. I'm going to feel these emotions in me right now because I want to color these into my life. And if I'm feeling these, I'm becoming these. And if I'm becoming these emotions, I'm I'm thereby broadcasting these without even trying. And then, of course, I've got the gray sky colors. And those gray sky colors are telling me rain is coming. And don't worry, it's going to be yucky for a while because the rain is wet and yucky, but it will water your earth. So we're going to have that for a little bit too. So yeah, I I love to say, let's play with all these emotions. Let's make more joy. Let's make any emotion, any color in your, in your landscape that you're lacking, you know, pull that one out, practice with it, start it first. I love it. I love it. All right. We've been talking for a ridiculously long time, (laughs) given that it feels like it was 30 (laughs) seconds. I know. And unfortunately, yeah, I have, I have to be mindful of that, even though I would love to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. To switch gears a little bit, Summer, I ask everybody on the show, how do you experience your intuition? Oh, gosh. So in my world, my intuitive self is the yin and yang of energy that I experience. The yang energy. Again, please take gender out of this. It's just a a good metaphor. The yang or the masculine is the energy of action, of making things, of manifesting, of me creating, radiating, aligning, me being the generator for the things that I'm creating and making in life. The yin energy, if you think about, so one energy is going out. If an energy is going out, you know there's another energy coming in. It's just like the tides, it's like the ocean. It's like the sun going up and coming down. Everything has these two aspects. 
So the yin energy is me pulling information in. It's me being receptive to all the information that I'm generally in my day, make, 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 making, because humans do a lot of making of energy. They do far less receiving of energy, except for those of us who are, you know, aware that we're doing so. Everybody does receive information, but they usually just kind of let it kind of filter right into another part of themselves without consciously being aware. So my intuition is something that I practice again through my state of flow dreaming. Um, I will ask and allow empathically. Uh, my sweet spot is being able to read other people's energy. I hate to say mind reader, but you know it's like a stereotypical term again. But being able to read other consciousnesses and ask people questions and have conversations. And it's just like talking with them, like we're talking now, except that we're doing it on this other level or this other layer. So I experience my intuition constantly. It's like my body checking for email in the background all the time. It's just, it's just coming for me. And every now and then I consciously check for that email. And that's when I'm going in and asking a specific question or recognizing that it's time for me to pull in some information. And once I pull that information in, then I can use it for my manifesting. So it's a real, it's a real complimentary practice the way I use it. I love everything that you said, and I understand it very similarly. I often understand the yin and yang exactly the way that you said it. So it was beautiful to hear you say it. And it's beautiful too, because I think people, you know, this is a podcast about intuition. Mm-hmm. And that's why people find their way to this podcast because, you know, the first thing they usually want to know is how do I connect with my intuition? How do yeah. I trust my intuition? How do I know the difference between my intuition and my mind? Mm-hmm. How do I talk to my spirit guides? These are all things that we talk about yeah. all the time on the show among, you know, many, 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 many other things. But I think people often don't recognize is exactly what you said. It's always happening. It's always happening. It's always there. And so really connecting with our intuition is more about just checking the email, just Tuning in from time to time to a process that's already happening and making it a little bit more intentional. Exactly. And just like email, sometimes I'm sending emails, I'm manifesting, putting it out. Other times I'm reading emails, they're coming in. Yeah. And it just, I think, I think a lot of us have like a little balance in us. Like we're not even in that sense. Some of us are like, I just do things and make things. And other people are like, I just feel things. I'm like, okay, bring those two together and let's see what happens when we get them in balance. Ooh, Ooh, life is your oyster. (laughs) Yeah, because I think the real inspired doing comes when we're connected to our being, but also when we're receiving, right? It's that back and forth. It's when those two things are in balance. And my guides often tell me too, there's not like the yin and the yang. When that Tao symbol is spinning, it's just one thing. It's just one thing. Our minds are going to separate them because we have this duality thing going on here in the earthly plane. But really it's that constant feedback between... I'm receiving, I'm creating, I'm receiving, I'm creating. And the more those two things are in balance, the more we're creating from our soul or source. Well, if you want to get really quantum about it, right? <laughs> it's the holographic universe concept. We are all right. things at all times. But that's really hard for our human brains to comprehend. It's true. You know, that's like saying, think about the edge of the universe. Everybody just flails. Like it just, our brains have difficulty encompassing that at this point. Yeah. But truly it is. My peeps are used to mind benders. I love them. (laughs) We speak in Cohen on this podcast many a times. I I want to mention real quick, I have a podcast too. It's called Flow Dreaming, Still Kind of Woo Woo. And in each show, I often have a segment I just call Shower Thoughts. (laughs) and I'll drop in something like that. I'm like, if you think about this in the shower tonight, bless you. It's that's what I wanted. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Go bigger in your thinking. And I don't know, it's it's just a fun thing I I love to do. And let it drop in, let it drop in enough and tell people the best listening is with a soft mind. And you let it, you let it go in there, you let it percolate and um, you don't try to understand it too hard, too fast. Exactly. Percolate. I yeah. love that word so, so, so much. Yeah. Um, it's got to steep. Steep it like a tea. Percolate it like a coffee pot. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Summer, you got the podcast. You told us a little bit about your offerings uh-huh. and your magic and all of your stuff, but let's list them all now so that people uh, can find you, work with you, and connect with all of your cool stuff. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, so, of course, the podcast, Flow Dreaming, still kind of woo-woo. Um, I have been podcasting for 19 years now, so it's a real old show. There's a long history to that. I won't go into it. Um, but I also have something pretty exciting called Me School, and Me School is enrolling. It is M-E School, and it starts in September. 
I teach all of these concepts and dozens and dozens and dozens more. It only runs once a year. And then the book that just came out is called Stuff Nobody Taught You, 40 Lessons from Me School to Stop Feeling Miserable and Start Feeling Amazing. Um, But I take a lot of the teachings of Me School and put it in the book. So it's a nice way for people to kind of get a feel for the program to see if it's something that truly addresses them. But um, that's it. If anything I said really strikes you, I invite everybody to reach out to me, email me. I answer my own emails. So I love to hear from people, especially if I said something that helped you pivot and maybe got you in a new direction in life. Beautifulness. And can you say your website? We're going to have it all in the show notes, but some people are in their car right now. And if you say it out loud, they're going to actually remember it and they're going to, they're going to find you that way. So we want to give them that opportunity. Okay. They can speak it into their Alexa or their Siri right now. There we go. It's called flow dreaming F like F L like Frank flow dreaming. Sometimes people think it's slow dreaming. I'm like, no, we dream fast here. (laughs) It's flow, flowdreaming.com. And there's like a ton of there. I have all the flow dreams. Some of the things I've mentioned, you'll find there's like 200 different meditation flow dreams there. Um, Just lots and lots of stuff. So thank you. All right. Anything else before we wrap around up? This has been so much fun. No, great interview. Thank you so much, Victoria. Wonderful conversation. I'm going to see you on that bike path in Del Mar and Solana Beach at some point. So I think so for sure. I can't (laughs) can't believe I didn't realize that we were neighbors. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Summer, for being our guest today. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. You know, because I say at pretty much the end of every show how grateful I am for all of you for letting me get to have these great conversations and do what I love to do. Enjoy the rest of your day and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.